right now. Today is the day that you choose to change the rest of your life. It is time to turn your setback into the greatest comeback story ever told. And nobody is more capable than you. This is the Ranting Weight Watcher Podcast, the future number one weight loss podcast in the world. I am your host, Donato Russo. I hope you enjoy the show today. If this is your first time here and you enjoy the show, please subscribe and spread the word of the Ranting Weight Watcher Podcast wherever you are and to whomever will listen. If you'd like to connect on social media or wherever else, Check out my Linktree page, Linktree forward slash The Ranting Weight Watcher. Let's connect today. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 110 of The Ranting Weight Watcher podcast. Man, if this is your first time here, welcome to the show. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's get into this. journey updates well we're up this week up a total of 1.6 pounds total pounds lost for the month of september so far is 0.2 pounds total pounds lost since january 2019 is 156 pounds total pounds remaining to get to the 175 milestone 19 pounds And the total pounds remaining to get to the 200-pound milestone is 44 pounds. So I'm going to take a few minutes here, and I'm going to talk to anybody who's new. Not new to this show, but new in your journey. Whether you're just recently recommitting, or this is your first time on Weight Watchers, wherever the case may be. If you're within the first year of your journey, I'm going to take a little time and I want to talk to you guys. I see so many people come into this thing. They come in on day one and they look around the room and they want to know what everybody else is doing. I can't say it enough that this is the last thing you should do. Because nobody knows how you eat. Nobody knows how you like to eat. And if there's one thing I'd love to give you a piece of advice on is rather than finding out what works for other people and then trying to mimic it, you would be doing yourself a service if you would find out if there are substitutions for what you do like, okay? So if you're someone who likes to eat yogurt in the morning, what are the possibility of lower point yogurts? What can you do there? If you're someone who likes to eat cereal in the morning, what are the options instead of what you are eating, what are the options for a kind of cereal that would be point friendly? Do you see where I'm going here? Because if you feel like you're eating the same way, 
except all you're doing is substituting for a different choice, you may succeed for a longer period of time. The worst thing you could do is change everything drastically when you first begin. And that's because the question, the question at that point becomes, is it sustainable? You eat the way you eat, and I understand it put you in the position to want to join Weight Watchers. Going against all of that all at once, you may be able to do it for a week. You may be able to do it for two weeks. You may be able to do it for a month. Eventually, you're going to be tested. Whether or not you succeed, that goes to the power of the mind of the individual you're, you're talking about. When I began my journey, I knew what I liked to eat. And so what I'm saying to you is, if you are eating what you like to eat, you're just eating different versions of it, it won't be as drastic of a change. If you already enjoy cottage cheese, but you're eating the full fat cottage cheese, how much of a change would it be to start taking steps down to healthier versions of that cottage cheese. This way you're still eating that cottage cheese. But you're eating, you're eating a healthier version of it. Okay. You don't have to do it all at once. Right. You can go from full fat cottage cheese to 2% or whatever. Then skim milk. Whatever. You know. You understand what I'm saying to you. You could do it in steps. Everything we eat in, in Weight Watchers. Everything we choose to eat has a substitution. If they make ice cream, that's a healthier choice. They make cottage cheese. They make everything that's a healthier choice. It will benefit you more in the long run to make it feel for as long as you possibly can that you aren't making drastic choices. This was one of the first steps I took toward my success in what I found so far. And the one thing I could say to you is if you try to do the same thing, Instead of trying to look at what everybody else is doing, you may find that you stay successful for a longer period of time. At some point, the way you eat may not be good enough to continue. If you are starting today, think of yourself as a kindergartner. In kindergarten, these things you learn are very different than the things you learn in your senior year. If you go into your weight loss journey thinking it should be the same on day one as it is years later, you're, you're going to find that you're uh, not just wrong, that you're going to have a, a very hard time grasping that later. As you progress through the journey, you lose weight, it gets harder. You lose weight, it gets harder even more. At some point, the mindset has to change from eating what pleases your palate to eating what nourishes your body. I understand Weight Watchers will tell you we don't put any restrictions on what, you're, what you choose to eat. I fully get that. It is going to be your choice. At some point, you're going to face a decision. And that decision is going to be go to the next level or stay where you are. And one of those, those two choices will either dictate eating a different way or eating the exact same way and staying exactly where you are. 
There's no ifs, ands, or buts about this. When you stay in this long enough and you find a level of success, at some point, that success comes to an end and it gets harder. When you get to that point, that's when you're facing a decision. You may not realize it. You may just think it's a fluke that things gotten, have gotten a little harder. No, no, no. You are on the next level. You're ready to take on the next challenge. Now, your choice is learn a new way of eating and continue or keep doing what you're doing, expecting different results. For some people, they never make this connection. They end up quitting, leaving, gaining, coming back. This is what I'm trying to get you to not do. First of all, it's a project to even get up to the end of that level where you have to make that decision. So many people don't even get there. So I'm just trying to give you, by telling you not to change anything of how you eat, just make different decisions on what. Make those substitutions on those healthier versions. That will keep you in the game longer than if you change everything drastically from day one. So if you could stay in it longer, you become more invested. And if you become more invested and you see a certain level of success, you'll find yourself willing when you get to that next level to make the sacrifices necessary. When I say sacrifice, I don't mean just getting rid of stuff. In the beginning, you made a sacrifice. If I loved full-fat cottage cheese on day one, and I substituted that for a skim milk kind or a 2% kind, that's a sacrifice. You may not see it that way, but it is. Because my initial choice for the full-fat version was for a reason. And you know what? Listen, every once in a while, I go to, the, to a diner here and there, and I want, I'm in the mood for cottage cheese, and they don't have any healthy versions of cottage cheese. Because when you taste that, you suddenly realize what full-fat cottage cheese, what you're missing. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's fantastic. And all I can think about is, oh, my God, this is what fat does to food. <laughs> it's true it's funny but it's true but it's all about getting to the next level because the, for every level you achieve the success that comes with that level gives you the determination to keep going and that's going to be detrimental to the continuation of your journey building the determination necessary to keep going the discipline necessary to keep going. Other decisions I made to make my first year easier was I would never ever, okay, everybody knows you don't go grocery shopping when you're hungry. Everybody knows that. I, this is not new news. You just know it's a known thing. Never go grocery shopping when you're hungry, right? In the same idea, never choose what you're going to eat when you're already hungry. Make the decisions of what you're going to eat when you are not hungry. And then when you are hungry, execute. If you have to prepare those foods, prepare them when you are not hungry. This way, when you are hungry, you can execute. Never make a decision on what to eat when you are already hungry. Just the same 
as you never go grocery shopping when you are hungry. If you're someone who struggles with binge eating, the one thing I'd say to you is make it so you never feel hungry. That's my one piece of advice. That's what I did. I, I would, in the beginning of my journey, I took the time to analyze myself to the point where I would say, I'm feeling hungry, it's 11.59 p.m. a.m. But then I would say, well, what do I need to do so that I'm not hungry at that time? So a snack at 11.30 was scheduled. And I would say, if you struggle in that way, where you start binging, or you start picking on food that while you're making the meal you're supposed to eat for lunch. Let's say you start, you're making your lunch and while you're making it, you're picking on food. If you aren't hungry while you're making lunch, you won't pick on the food. So if you schedule a snack before you go to make that lunch, you won't be picking while you're making your lunch. All of these things, these little insignificant rules I made for myself, I credit these things to be the foundation of my success. To be able to say I'm down 156 pounds, I fully believe with every bit of my heart that it is because I made it so that I never made a decision on what to eat when I was feeling hungry. And for the reason that I never allowed myself to become hungry. I would always schedule some snack or some little small meal before I would get to the point where I was hungry. I, I credit those two things with the biggest portion of my success. Now, why am I telling you all of this? I promise you, all of you who are listening, if you've been in there to this journey for years, I'm sorry, I, I get it. Just bear with me because I'm going to tie all this up in a big bow. And it'll all make sense why I'm starting here. But when you come to a point of success, in, when you get a grasp on eating, and you are consistent, and you are doing things so well and so consistently that you've made really, really good progress in your eating habits, and you've shown some great results because of it. Now, if you're at this point and you haven't introduced exercise, there's going to come a time where in order to continue onto the next level, you may have to introduce exercise at some point. And you'll introduce it in any way, shape, or form that you know how. You make a plan, write it down if you have to. What are you going to do? Where are you going to do it? How are you going to do it? How long are you going to do it? How many weeks will you do this for? Make a plan. And be very detailed with it. And then when you get there, when it becomes time, all you have to do at that point is execute. So now as you begin that exercise journey, just the same as the food journey, it'll be easy to drop weight because of exercise in the beginning. Then you'll reach another level and it'll get a little harder and you'll have to work harder. And then you'll reach another level and you'll get to have to work even harder. 
the more weight you lose, the harder the journey becomes. Now, a big part of all of this is not just taking the system's word for everything and actually beginning to educate yourself on proper nutrition of the body. Because listen, it's not just about finding a thousand different ways to pretend you're eating ice cream. It's not about what, l- l- trying 500 different ways to, m- to make believe you're eating pizza. Whether it's cauliflower pizza or whatever the heck it is. This nonsense we tell ourselves so that we can pretend we're eating something we really like. At some point, it has to switch from that. It's not just finding new ways to do that. Listen, there are many people that say cauliflower pizza tastes like pizza. You know what? You could take a walk with that. You'll never convince me. Sorry. That's besides the point. Let me stay on topic. But at some point, it has to be less about pleasing your tongue and more about learning how to properly nutrition your body. Everybody's body requires a certain level of nutrition to operate at peak performance. We treat our bodies like we treat our gas tank. We treat our bodies worse than we treat the gas tank in our car. Because in reality, when you go to get the gas of your car, you just find the cheapest gas and you throw it in there. You don't care. When it comes to your body, it's not about the cheapest. It doesn't really matter the cost. It matters how it tastes. And that fuel that you're putting in your body better taste good because if it doesn't, you'll just look for the next piece of fuel that does. Regardless of what damage it may be causing, we go to please the tongue first. And at some point in your journey, you will reach a level where that is no longer going to work. If you can get to the point where you succeed, at finding the substitutions for the food so you could stay in the journey longer. Then getting to the point where you're introducing exercise and then getting to the point where you're learning how to properly, then you're getting to the point where you're learning what it is to properly nutrition your body. When you've done all of that, then you might be ready for an experiment. That's what I'm going to talk to you right after the break. I now present to you the Ranting Weight Watcher Accountability Creed. If you choose this day to say this creed, you are accountable to me, the author. You are also accountable to all of those before you who have taken the creed and all of those after you who will take the creed 
But most of all, you are accountable to yourself. Now recite with me the accountability creed. Nothing can stand in my way because I choose to be unstoppable. My challenges crumble in my presence because I choose strength when I am weak. My insecurities have no power over my life because I choose confidence in the face of fear. I own every last one of my mistakes because I choose growth over mediocrity. The mirror and the scale are powerless because I move forward in spite of the result. Circumstances are not obstacles because I see solutions instead of problems. The demons of my past can no longer torment me because I choose to renew my mind daily. All things are possible as long as I believe because if God is for me, who can be against me? This is the creed I declare each day. It is about what I do, not what I say. I will learn the work that needs to be done. I will never stop, even when I've won. I will work consistently, no matter the cost. I refuse to believe that all hope is lost. I will work when I want to. I will work when I don't. I will work when they are cheering. I will work when they won't. I will work when it's easy. I will work when it's hard. The atonements that I've made are made with no regard. I will work when it's cold. I will work when it's hot because choices have consequences, justified or not. When I think I know it all, I will start back at one because regardless of what I think, the work is never done. And from this moment forward, when times are tough, I choose to believe that I am enough. And now it's time for random facts you didn't know you needed to know with the Ranting Weight Watcher. Today's fact comes from our listener, Carrie, and it is titled Facts About Sloths. Sloths are named because of their very slow metabolism and deliberate movements. Their, snow, sl their slowness allows them to consume a low-energy diet of leaves. Sloths are helpless on the ground, but they are able to swim. Their shaggy coat has grooved hair that contains green algae, which camouflages the sloth and provides nutrients. Thank you so much, Carrie, for the facts about sloths. If you are wondering why I just read that, a while back I discovered a renewed... I'm trying to battle a fear I have of reading aloud. A fear that is deep-seated from even childhood, fourth grade. So I decided to make it part of the show. And if you want to help me to finally defeat this fear of reading aloud, 
I ask you guys to participate with me. Send me fun stuff. Send me random stuff. Send me funny stuff. Whatever the case may be. Just random fun facts. Just make sure they're clean. Nothing dirty. That's all I ask. This is a family show. (laughs) And I want you to email them to therantingweightwatcher at gmail.com. And in the subject line, just put random facts or fun facts. And this way I know I won't read them until it's time to record it. Because the idea is that I do this and the the footage I record is not edited. And it is the part so we can gauge my progress in this battle of reading out loud with confidence. It's all becoming part of what's going to make me the number one podcast in the world or the number one, well, weight loss podcast in the world. (laughs) Anyway, so if you're interested, please, I got a few weeks left before I run out of the facts that were sent to me. So please send something in, participate with the show. Now let's get back to the show and we are back. Thanks for sticking with me. So at the beginning of the show, I was talking more to a newer audience that maybe they're just starting their journey. They're within the first year of their journey. And I gave you some helpful ways to prolong that, that success, that ability to stay. Look, part of the battle of staying in this is not quitting. And as long as you're finding some way to be engaged, you're not going to quit. It's as simple as that. It's more about keeping you engaged than it is about the actual number of success. The act that you are feeling involved in doing something and you have a goal and it's all new and exciting and, and wonderful. It's prolonging that feeling. Because when that feeling starts to fade, you're going to get sick of doing this. And it's about keeping it going as long as possible. And that's all I'm trying to do with you, is keep it going as long as possible. All in the mind that at some point, you could have such confidence in what you're doing and be so consistent in the work you put in to your lifestyle, to this journey. That you can then, with confidence, begin to experiment with your weight loss journey and do things that others might seem to think is risque. Like, why would you do that? You're risking things here. You're taking risks. And listen, if you're staying right where you are and not doing anything and you're never feeling uncomfortable, you're not challenging yourself. That I could say with complete confidence. If you never feel like you're doing something that makes you uncomfortable with regards to this journey, with regards to exercise, whatever the case may be. If you never feel that feeling of being uncomfortable, you are simply not challenging yourself. You're accepting life for what it is. You are existing, not living. So I tell you all this to talk about the experiment I've been working on. 
I recently started week two. I told you guys in the previous episode that week one, I started to feel a little bit at the end of it. I started to feel like a little uh, anxiety. That's the way I can describe it. Anxiety. The beginning of it, I felt strong. I was doing really well. First four days. Then on the fourth day, at the end of it, started to feel a little anxiety, started to feel hungry. And I said to myself, this is in the mind because in other circumstances, if I had to be teaching on that Thursday that we are talking about, I wouldn't have had a choice. There would be no way that I could eat. So the fact that I was hungry on this Thursday was more so because I was working from home and not having to teach than it was because of any other reason. So I chalked it up to being psychological. And I, and I kind of just fought my way through the end of the week. And I made it. On week two, my teaching schedule was mornings only. So as I approached week two, I believed that this was going to be an easy week. Because if I was being home by noon, that would be lunchtime anyway. And so what's the big deal? Just go home to do work and eat lunch at home. Very easy, right? On Monday, I picked up right where I left off on the Friday. Feeling hungry and thinking it was psycho- uh, psychological. And, I'm, and I still believe that it was all psychological. But as Tuesday and Wednesday hit, the birth of bad habits, old bad habits, was returning. The urge to want to binge eat, when you satisfy that urge, it doesn't matter what the choice of the food is. The behavior is the same even though the choice is different. At any given moment, the choice can change. So just because you went from binge eating on Doritos to binge eating on celery sticks, if you don't change the behavior of binge eating in general, how hard is it going to be to go from the celery sticks back to the Doritos? Not hard at all. Tuesday came... And the urge to binge eat returned to me for the first time in, man, it's a long, long time. Let me tell you, long time. And I was really, really hungry at like 2.30 in the afternoon. Even though if I was teaching at that time, I don't know, would I have been hungry? Maybe I would have been hungry, but having to teach would have stopped me because there's no way I could eat while I'm teaching. That's, it's as simple as that. But on Tuesday, I was definitely fighting a lot harder, and then I gave in a little bit. I went downstairs, and I grabbed one of those one-point wraps. It's like, uh, it's, I think it's called Olay. And I grabbed some boar's head ham. And I put it in there and I ate it at 2.30 in the afternoon. To me, this was 
the behavior of binging returning to my life. So what that the choice could have been worse? It's the behavior, not the choice. Because the choice, I mean, listen, the choice can change in an instant. So I made it through the rest of Tuesday, got to dinner time, finished my dinner, and then at around 9, 8.30, 9 o'clock on Tuesday night, for the first time in years, the urge to eat after dinner suddenly returns. I haven't felt the urge to eat after dinner, after 6.30, in years. And I credit that to an article that I read a few years ago. And that article basically said that if you want to stop nighttime eating, then you only had to do one thing. Your dinner plate needed to be primarily protein. More protein than anything else in the plate. It didn't mean that there couldn't be carbs. It just mean, meant that it had to be more protein than anything else. For an example, it would be 12 to 14 ounces or 15 ounces of grilled chicken. There would be a cup of rice there. That's a carb. There would be a cup of rice. But I would make sure I ate all the protein first. And then I'd have some rice. If I finished it, fine. If I didn't, fine. But it was there. I didn't deprive myself of carbs. From the first day. From day one, when I took the approach of dinner being primarily protein, I never craved a single thing after 6.30 ever again. Here I am in the middle of this experiment, week two, two days into week two, and I find myself hungry after 6.30 for the first time in years. And all I could say, kept saying to myself was, this is psychological. You were not hungry last week on this time before you started this, this whole thing. You would not be hungry at this time. You should not be hungry now. And I kept fighting and I kept fighting. But at this time, at this point, I'm like white knuckling. And I'm really, really physically and mentally fighting the urge to go downstairs and eat at 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. I make it to Wednesday. And all I could think, now, just so you know what date I'm talking about here, I'm recording on the 26th of September. And the Wednesday I'm talking about is the 21st. Here we are morning, the 21st. The morning starts the way the morning starts. I have that morning class. I come home again. I get home around noon. I eat my lunch at noon. Again, at 2.30, I'm really, really hungry. To the point where I eat the snacks that are in my bag in like under five minutes. I had baby carrots. I had bell peppers. I had cantaloupe. And I had an orange. That's what I had left in my bag at 2.30 on this Wednesday, the 21st. 
I couldn't fight the urge. I gave in almost instantly to wanting to binge eat. Now, here we go again. It's about the behavior, not about the choice. Just because you decide to emotionally eat on celery sticks doesn't mean it's a good thing. Yes, it's a better choice than emotional eating and eating Doritos. But the idea is that you have to stop emotionally eating. The behavior of emotionally eating, if that doesn't end, it's very easy to go back from celery sticks to Doritos. The behavior has to end. This is the whole reason I got back to 400 pounds twice in my life. Because my behavior never changed. Behavioral change is probably more important than the choices we make. Because even with good choices, if the behavior never changes, eventually making the bad choices comes second nature. This is coming to you from someone who's 44 years old and made it to over 400 pounds twice in my life. You could take it or leave it. That's up to you. The behavior must change. So that day I gave in. I ran downstairs and even though I ate the baby carrots, the bell pepper, the cantaloupe, and the orange, I proceeded to the cabinet where I grabbed two protein bars and I grabbed more ham and another wrap. And I ate all of it. That day I went I believe it was 12 points total over my day where on a Wednesday I would never go over. I went 12 points over. Now, let me help you understand this. The Tuesday, I went into the fridge, grabbed the wrap and the ham, and I was good to go. On Wednesday, I went to the fridge. I grabbed the same wrap, the same ham, but that wasn't enough. Then I went to the pantry and I grabbed the protein bars. One shelf away from the protein bars is a shelf with cheese doodles, a shelf with pretzels filled with peanut butter, a shelf with Chex Mix, the snack mix, and Many, many other snacks. I was one shelf away. If I didn't make an adjustment, if I didn't make a change, what would I have done Thursday? Tuesday, I was in the fridge only. Wednesday, I was in the fridge and one shelf away from all of that junk food. Thursday, how hard would it have been 
to grab the pretzels, to grab the cheese doodles, to grab the check mix. How hard? This is the point I'm getting to. If the behavior never changes, if that behavior is allowed to continue, it does not matter what the choice is because eventually the choice will change. You saw how different it was just from 24 hours later. Now, if I would have done this again Thursday, the 22nd, there was no more ham, there was no more wrap, and I would have been straight in the protein bar shelf. And if that protein bar wasn't enough, and considering I ate two, if that wasn't enough, what would I have grabbed next on the Thursday? Sometimes when you get to this point to when you're experimenting, this is not my first experiment. I've experimented a few times. One of the craziest things I ever did was to purposely eat half my activity points and concentrate on eating high protein, high good fat. And I would eat half of them. So at the time, I was much bigger. I was way over 300 pounds. And when I would go for a walk, I would create... 40 and 50 activity points. So I just said to myself, I want to eat some of these activity points and I made rules for myself. I would eat half of them, but I would only spend half of them on stuff that was high in, good, in protein and high in, in those good fats that they talk about. Almonds, peanuts, peanut butter, stuff like that. but I wanted it to be a protein and I wanted it to have that good fat. But I purposely ate 20 points worth of almonds. In addition to my daily. So whatever my daily intake was at that time. Take today's daily, for instance, 35 points a day I get. Add 20 to that. That's what I was doing on days that I worked out. Purposely eating 20 points worth of almonds. And I was successful with it. I took that risk. And I remember the look on my, my studio coach. I remember the look on her face when I told her this was what I was going to do. And she gave me this look like, well, you know what? It could go either really good or really bad based on your theology. And if it goes really bad, you know what you have to do. I knew it. I took the risk. The risk paid off. Eventually, I came to a time where I was so sick and tired of eating the extra points, I stopped. I no longer eat them anymore. At least not on purpose. If I want to eat activity points, I don't stop myself from doing it. I just don't do it on any day of the week. doesn't matter. I do it on a, on a, in a controlled environment. Typically on a Saturday night, I know we're going to go out to eat. I will allow myself to eat the activity points I create. 
But this is the point. That was an experiment that paid off. Here was an experiment that brought back really bad behavior. So sometimes in life, you got to know when to fold. You know, in the broad scheme of things here, I only have one regret. And that regret is that I did not go the distance that I originally set forth. That original distance was to either go one of two ways. It was to go to the end of all training, which would be October 31st when we go live. Or it was to go right up to Thanksgiving to mark the end of the mandatory having to go into the office every day post-go-live. I didn't make it to either of those days. And there's not a day that goes by where I don't hear from that voice of failure numerous times in a day. Pointing out that I didn't do what I said I would do. You see, it doesn't attack the results because it knows it was an experiment and the results could have gone either way in actuality. So the results cannot be attacked. But the plan was not followed. So that's the attack. The attack is that I didn't go the distance. I didn't do what I said I would do. But if I really think about this, ignoring the red flags that were in my face could have turned into a 10 pound problem, a 20 pound problem, a 40 pound problem, an 80 pound problem. And maybe even a 400 pound problem. True behavior change is necessary. And if it's never taken care of, that old version of you, that old version of me is always just sitting in the corner of the room. That is your mind waiting for the perfect moment to take control once again. This is never going to go away. You must always be on guard. And that's why true behavior change has got to be the one thing you chase more than everything else. What is the behavior? What needs to change to correct the behavior? That is it. That is the number one thing. And if that behavior is binge eating, emotional eating, any type of thing that turns food into a medication, that's the behavior that needs to be corrected. Because as long as it's allowed to exist, it can always return. It must end. All of the behaviors must change that pushed you in the position to need to be in this, in this program. It's a fight, but it's a fight worth having. Because in the end, 
you're worth it and I'm worth it. And we have to do whatever it takes. I love each and every one of you. God bless you all.